0: and we're live. What's up everybody? Welcome to the Jonathan Cogan show. I'm your host Johnny K. We got a couple of great episodes today. We're starting off first and foremost with some economic news. In fact, since there's new news today on March 27, 2023, we're actually going to combine two things because there's so much chaos going on. Uh and I want to say uh some of my uh previous episodes were misinterpreted, okay? What I'm saying because we're going to be talking about the economy Bitcoin, gold. If I had wealth, if I had money, I would perhaps consider putting it in gold and silver or Bitcoin. Okay. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying what I'm doing. I am saying if I had anything, that is something I would consider. It's not financial advice. It's nothing. It's just saying that is something I would entertain based on my research. That's it. That's it. Okay. I don't want anyone to get confused here, okay? Nothing nefarious here. All right, here we go. So Operation Choke Point. Do you remember Operation Choke Point? Well, I'm going to give you a refresher. This is a 60-second refresher on Operation Choke Point. This was under President Obama. And now we are experiencing Operation Choke Point 2.0, which we will get into shortly. So here's a one-minute summary of Operation Choke Point in case you forgot.
1: Operation Joke is a government initiative designed to intimidate banks from doing business with industries the government considers high risk. This secret program threatens banks with audits, lawsuits, or heightened regulatory scrutiny. 30 industries were targeted, including short-term lenders, telemarketers, and firearm sellers. This operation effectively chokes high-risk businesses from banks, payment processors, and other financial services. Without a bank to deposit money or a payment processor to handle credit card transactions, businesses cannot operate. In 2012, Operation Chokepoint was created by the Justice Department under the Obama administration. It is carried out by government agencies like the FDIC and the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. The Justice Department says Operation Chokepoint is fighting fraud. But in reality, entirely legal and legitimate industries are driven underground or choked out of business.
0: So that's Operation Choke Point, okay? That's a little summary in case you forgot. It's weaponizing basically the banking system to exclude from the state, to exclude industries or sectors that they do not want you to have access to, i.e., like firearms or guns, okay? Because people, because if there ever was a force that wants to bring in something tyrannical, tyranny in terms of government, they do not want the population to have guns that is very bad for tyranny okay that's a little bit of a mess up of the plan so if you do if you know your history there's a reason why few- why there why tyranny has the population disarmed first for example, Hitler made it very difficult for people to for Jews to get firearms and then they then he created concentration camps horrible okay. Stalin took the guns. Okay. Mao killed a bunch of people who took the guns. They all take the guns. Okay. They all take the guns. Okay. I'm not even a gun guy. I'm not a gun guy. I've never even held a gun. I don't even like guns. I have nothing to do with guns, but I have learned the reason you have guns is to protect you from tyranny. And when people want to take your guns and at the same time the economy's collapsing, hmm, it just seems awfully strange. And we like to raise questions and bring you information. So Let's say the U.S. dollar was in jeopardy of world reserve currency, something we've predicted on this podcast for so long, with the end goal being central bank digital currencies, full surveillance, full control, and that all the stuff the past three years is a cover up for the end of the dominance of the U.S. dollar, which, why, by the way, was predicted by the World Economic Forum in 2016. Just an FYI, I'll even pull it up if you're watching this. This is Mark Moss sharing this. He goes, it might be a good time to bring people's attention back to this WEF, World Economic Forum, claim and threat in light of what's happened. U.S. losing face to the world, deglobalization, sovereign debt bubble bursting, de-dollarization, and the rise of the BRICS. we talked about the BRICS currency. We'll get into it a little bit more. And here's the World Economic Forum article titled, America's Dominance is Over. By 2030, we'll have a handful of global powers, November 11, 2016. Okay. So that so so to to say the elites don't have a plan, you're out of your mind, okay? You're out of your mind. And if you're the one saying that everything your government says is to protect you and love you and coddle you, you're literally insane, okay? You can call me a conspiracy theorist all day, every day, but in reality you're the nutcase, okay? If you know history, you know that elites and governments do not like you. And actually, even if they did like you, they definitely don't care about you. They care very little about you. Okay. So operation choke point 2.0. Why is this significant? So if the, if the economic system is collapsing, if people are de dollarizing which by the way, if that does happen, like let's say the petrodollar goes away and they accept wands. Okay. And people can uh, buy energy, buy oil in different currencies and not just the U.S. dollars so they don't have to hold U.S. dollars, that will be a little bit of a problem coming here soon, which means everyone would de-dollarize and all those dollars that we printed come back on shore. We've hyperinflation, Weimar Republic style. It could be a disaster, okay? But if they want people to not be able to de-dollarize, they're going to do things like, I don't know, go to war um, to prevent it, you know, like hence like when uh what's his name the iraq saddam hussein was like i'm gonna sell oil in something besides dollars what happened to him he's dead okay uh the other dude in africa all world leaders that try to mess with the dollar get caboodled okay but this is different okay because now you got iran you got russia you got china you got brazil you got south africa they're all teaming up against the the uh the, uh, heb- the, heb- hegemony yeah the hegemony of the United States. Okay. And they're sick of it and they're fed up. Okay. Why? Because we weaponize the dollar and that's why we're raising interest rates to crush other countries. Anyone we're trying to demolish them. It's a complete weaponization. And so where do I want to start with this, uh, let's start with why it's uh significant. Okay. Why operation 2.0 Choke point 2.0 is significant. So this is from what Bitcoin did, and it talks about uh, why this might be happening and the concern of it. And, you know, it's interesting I'm starting with this one, but I think it's a good one to start, just how important this is. So this brings up WikiLeaks and how WikiLeaks stayed afloat because of Bitcoin. And now Bitcoin is being targeted and people are being deplatformed. Remember, deplatforming on social media? Well, now you're being debanked, okay? So take a listen to Doomberg on what Bitcoin did. Explain the concern of why we should all be concerned that Bitcoin is being targeted and that the rails, meaning to get in fiat and then out of fiat, into Bitcoin, out of Bitcoin, is being cut off. So you have to keep your money in dollars, okay? And we just did a podcast on this like two or three ago about Bology's bet of hyperinflation. You can go listen to that. It's very insightful. And we're gonna retouch on that soon. So here we go. Listen to this. This just listen carefully.
2: You know, even Wiki, I mean WikiLeaks is one of the first great examples of uh they went through their own essential operation choke point when uh, they were debanked by all financial rails, whether it was MasterCard, Visa, PayPal, and it all happened very quickly. And you talk to or you see the interviews with Julian Assange and he will say Bitcoin saved WikiLeaks. Bitcoin was the thing that allowed them to still function, receive donations and continue to function, like have, have an operational business.
3: Two points. Um, that's precisely why we think Bitcoin will be a target. Mm-hmm. And two, forget about the financial system um de from the uh, from the servers <laughs> the web page was mm-hmm. was not um hosted you know it the the perfect example is what happened to parlor after the um January sixth affair in washington d c you know they say if you get kicked off of twitter, just invent your own twitter okay you go try and do that, and amazon uh, a w s doesn't host it and at the apple store and the google play store kick out the app and and basically um, parlor got parlored it 's actually a, a verb now, and regardless of what you think of parlor and whatever your political views are um, there 's no matter. question there 's no question that that social media site was killed with no due process for political reasons hmm. and, um, and, and Wikileaks webpage, you can 't find Wiki, like, Wikileaks was the platform from the internet um, and again these what what due process uh, was has Julian? if it 's actually quite a scandal.
2: Of course, I mean he's he's been deplatformed as a human within functional society,
3: Mm -hmm. and for engaging in the act of reporting. Yeah, (laughs) you know, uh, reporters (laughs) in the United States have long gotten you know um, classified leaks that sources of great stories that blew up into scandals. That's that's what the press is meant to do. Not Mm -hmm. anymore. That has been shifted to the alternative press. One of our fears, of course, is that Substack by allowing the perforation of all manner of of reporting of, of various types and talents and so on. But like being a relatively open platform will make them a target eventually. Um, and so, you know, we shall see. We're eyes wide open uh, on that, which is the name of one of our pieces that touches on this. And um, and it's, yeah, you know, I, I do think more and more people are waking up to it. Um, but we, we've got a long way to go. We're early, Peter. <laughs> By yeah, a lot.
0: Which means you're early. And that's why I always ask. I have to ask for you to support the Jonathan Cogan show. It helps the alternative media it helps the truth getting out there. Patreon.com forward slash ownership economy. And you can donate five 99 and that'd be awesome. Okay. And it helps. And so, yes, everything's being, everything he said is true, by the way, free Julian Assange. Okay. We love a free press. We are very pro free press. Okay. Nowadays, The people in power and those who support the current uh, regime seem to be very anti-free press and pro-propaganda and pro-elite. As you know, this podcast is pro-peasant, team peasant, all the way, pro-freedom, pro-love, pro-earth. Very good positive vibes here. Everything on the opposite, inverted reality, is saying other nonsense. So, uh, okay. All right. So that stuff's really important. So free Julian Assange is very important because... We're journalists here. That's what I am. I'm a journalist, and we need to have freedom to report the truth on powerful institutions and powerful politicians that need to be in check because they're getting crazy, which brings me into the next clip. So Operation Chokepoint 2.0 was written by Nick Carter, okay? He wrote it in Pirate Wires, a fantastic newsletter. You can find it on Substack. OK, it's uh, uh, Mike Solana's newsletter. It's fantastic. It's very, very good. He has guest writers. This was by Nick Carter, OK, who is a, uh, a thought leader in crypto. And uh, he brings up some very interesting points uh, about how far this regime is going right now and if it's even legal, OK, and what needs to be done. So I'll go back uh, uh, to, to his first clip, which is kind of about Operation Choke Point. But uh, let's play this. I think this is very insightful. This is how big of a deal this is. Like This is huge. And you might not be aware of this because the mainstream news, which honestly, I can't even believe it's still mainstream news, isn't covering this because they don't want you to know your money's turning to to zero. They don't want you to be able to get help because they hate you, even though there's this large amount of the population that thinks that the government and the media loves you. I don't know how that ever happened, but um, uh, let's see here. So I want to pull it up. Uh, Hold on real quick. Oh no 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 it is this. Okay yeah yeah sorry i was playing the, i almost played the wrong one for you. So here we go. How much have they overstepped? How big of a deal is this? Here you go. Nick Carter who cre- who really coined and set and called this out because it all st- stemmed from Signature Bank being choked out. It's operation choke point 2.0. Here we go.
4: I think the administration has significantly overstepped here and probably gone outside the rule of law in a few instances. And just as with choke point 1.0, there's ways to react to that. So really there's two ways. So Congress uh, could issue subpoenas and find out what the decision-making was like at, uh, in particular, the FDIC, OCC, Fed, um, especially with regards to these recent bank closures, in particular, Silver uh, signature, which I think is incredibly suspicious. And so they can determine whether those regulators stepped outside the bounds of their authority, which I think they absolutely did. I don't think it's legal in this country to impose like a soft ban on banks servicing a specific industry. This was already sort of covered and litigated with Choke Point 1.0. And then, secondly, in the courts as well, I think, um, for instance, signature uh, shareholders or Entities that were deplatformed by signature and suffered some harm due to that, they can also challenge DFS's decision to put them into receivership. So I think it's basically a constitutional issue. Like, how much power are we giving federal regulators? Do they have the ability to redline an industry by explicitly or implicitly offering guidance to the banks that they regulate? Um, and I think ultimately, the Supreme Court, where I think this is where this will go, I think the Supreme Court will find that they don't have that right. Uh, but that, of course, those the wheels of justice take a very long time to grind. So it might just be a matter of being up against it for the next two years. And, and what's the incentive here for, for these regulators? So, is it...
0: it, it- it's unbelievable. This is happening in real time right before your eyes. People, I don't understand the people that understand that all these different events at play, first of all, are all interconnected and how big of a deal all this is. This is massive. This is massive. Okay. You literally have foreign adversaries right now challenging the U.S. dollar as the world reserve currency. You have Xi Jinping, the president and, and, and Putin on camera saying change that hasn't happened in a hundred years is happening right now. And we're shaping it. We're shaping the future. Okay, go listen. To, that was the previous podcast, I think. This is all happening in real time. And there's still this segment of people who are so caught in the matrix of some sort. I don't even know what how to describe it. But in the the, the foothold of the regime and the elites and their information control, that they think everything's fantastic and that the world's never been better and World War Three is really good and will be very good for climate change. I mean, literally, the regime could say, hey, if we drop a nuke, it will help the future plants. You have to bomb for planting. And they'll be like, boom, boom. Like it's crazy. It's crazy. You got some people living in reality that got red pilled, and then you got other people that are blue pilled that are absolutely insane. And it gets even more insane. It just, there's no limit to the insanity. It never stops. You could just, you could tell people, listen, for climate change, you have to go outside run one mile naked, naked backwards. You have to jog backwards and you have to do it. You have to do it twice. Okay. And that will help the earth. And you will see tens of thousands, if not millions of people running around men with their dangling or, or, or cis men and and transgender females with their dangling going, running backwards. And then you got females running and, and, you know, they got boom, 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 boom up top. So it's just crazy. It's just crazy. People are nuts. It's all that's insane. Thank God. Thank goodness. You listen to the Jonathan Cogan show. So you can be sane. Thank goodness that we're on the same team. Thank goodness somebody and some people are part of the peasant community helping team peasant thrive and not go into some feudal society where there's two classes forever. Right now, there are two classes, elites and peasants. But right now, we're challenging that power for everybody to be on an even playing field. Everybody have access to the monetary system bitcoin people all have freedom people all be able to do whatever they want and be left alone and no we don't like choke points at any level 1.0 2.0, 2.0 we're anti-choking this is an anti-choking process a, a, a podcast we like people to breathe okay so now let's get into the other one so as you know we're the number one a political podcast on the internet and so uh this is an important part where he nick carter's asked about how, th- why is this political? How did this become political? Like, what's going on here? What do we need to, like, this isn't political. Bitcoin is literally the most apolitical thing ever created, okay? Equal for everybody. There's no politics. And he's saying how, because uh, the current administration is overstepped and what's going on, they're making it political and they're forcing him to be political. This is very interesting. Take a listen to this.
2: Nick, who should crypto people want to win in the 2024 pres- presidential election?
4: I don't think it's close. I mean if you look at what's happening with Choke Point two uh, you know, the Biden administration is intensely hostile to crypto at every at every level. Uh I know people like a lot of lobbyists that I talk to always caution me, like, don't make crypto a partisan issue. It wasn't me that made it a partisan issue. It was politics a partisan issue by generally having Republicans generally be in favor of it, and Democrats, for the most part, being against it. So, I mean, I think you want DeSantis. I don't know if he'll even be the nominee, but he's clearly much more pro-crypto than Trump. And uh, another four years of Biden, honestly, I think would be catastrophic for the crypto industry here. Another two years is existential, Uh, but another four years would be like, you would see people actually going offshore for real and like physically moving.
2: Do you think crypto will unify and support the Republican candidate because tech is, you know, 98% left. Or, or.
4: I, it's pretty clear. Um, if you're a single issue voter where you should vote, but crypto is not the like top of mind thing for most people.
0: You know, it's really unfortunate. And that's because it's, it's lack of education. It's not top of mind because people have recency bias, which means they think that things that haven't happened in their lifetime can never happen. Like, the United States will always be the dominant superpower. The dollar the dollar will always be the world reserve currency. Our life will always be this way. We'll always have peace. Like people forgot, like it's recency bias. There are cycles that are longer than your life, which we've talked on this podcast at length. There are 50-year cycles, 200-year cycles, and 500-year cycles. And we're actually in the – we're at a point where all of those are convening. The 500-year Rothschild monetary system cycle – is right now that's crazy and then you see the stuff happening you see the dollar being weaponized okay you seeing other adversaries you know say hey in fact this is from today okay this is uh this is kenya and by the way when something hits the mainstream you know it's really bad you know it's bad and everything we've talked on this podcast, as you know, is six to nine months ahead of the mainstream media. And now I'll cover it, but CNN and Fox News are talking about the threat to the dollar as a world reserve currency with Saudi Arabia just destroying the petrodollar, allowing the yuan and other countries to pay in their currencies, which would destroy the U.S. dollar uh, uh, world reserve currency, potentially. Okay. This was Kenya's president. Okay. It's 22nd clip that I came across. This is unbelievable. Okay. I actually put on my Twitter, at KOGZ. This is 20 seconds. He just gave a speech, okay? And this is what he said. Listen.
2: Uh, for the people who work numbers, I am giving you free advice that those of you who are holding dollars, you surely might go into losses. You better, you better uh, do what you must do because uh, this market is going to be different in a couple of weeks
0: so he's Uh, saying to de-dollarize this market's going to be very different he said for the people who work numbers i am giving you free advice as the president of kenya those of you who are holding dollars you certainly might go into losses you better do what you must do because this market is going to be different in a couple of weeks kenyan president ruto announcing the new agreement to import energy in kenyan shilling instead of the u.s dollar This is happening right before your eyes and they are going to distract you with Trump and other things that mean nothing until the dollar is dead and it's the Weimar Republic and everything costs $9 trillion. If you don't own assets and you have everything in the bank, you are screwed, okay? Or just screwed. I don't know. Screwed. You're screwed, okay? Because they don't want you to know, they don't want, they don't want you to panic and they don't want, they, they don't want riots. They don't want anybody fighting the elites. Okay. The elites are very tactical. They're very smart. They're very well planned out. They have all the money, all the institutions, they have everything. And they're trying to choke you out of freedom. This is very important. Even if you don't know anything about Bitcoin, I'm telling you, do your research, learn. This is the last fight of humanity. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I tell you over and over again, I don't know what needs to be done to wake up the masses Okay. We're in a fourth turning. We are in a very unusual time at this pivotal point in history. You're alive. You're here to fight. Okay. Just like, just like the American revolution was a, uh, a fourth turning. Okay. The world war two was a fourth turning. There's all these four turnings. Those are 80 year cycles. Guess what? That's right now. Usually ends in war. Okay. This is our chance, baby. And out of a fourth turning, you rebuild the new world. Okay. We're not rebuilding the world in Klaus Schwab's, uh, I don't know, view, okay? We're not doing it the way he wants to do it. We're doing it in the way the peasants want to do it, everybody. But if the peasants don't wake up, it's never going to happen, okay? Very simple stuff. Very simple stuff. So um, let's get into one more thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So I want to play you the – actually, I'll play you the clip. Of the Fox News, uh, and this was on CNN too. I just have the Fox News clip, so don't get all your panties up in a bunch, okay? I'm just saying mainstream. This is hitting mainstream, so to wake up. Uh, And uh, then we'll get back to what Nick Carter thinks of Bology's bet. But this hit the mainstream news today, today, and you know when it hits mainstream, it's over. When it hits mainstream, it's already a done deal, okay? Kim.com shared this. Good Twitter account. I won't play the whole thing. It's about five minutes, but this is literally from... uh, uh, Fox News, mainstream news. It was already on, it was also on CNN. It's probably nothing. Don't worry about it. All right, here we go.
2: Announced this week that Russia will begin using the Chinese yuan uh, for international payments instead of the dollar. Saudi Arabia is also in talks with Beijing to do the same thing. Speaking of Saudi Arabia, meanwhile, they're in talks uh, with Iran as well to consider an economic alliance with China. In Russia. And they can even be joining the BRIC countries, which is an acronym for these countries here, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. These countries all have emerging economies. So what happens if our economy and the U.S. dollar are no longer the world's dominant currency? Former assistant treasury secretary and host of the Monica Crowley podcast, Monica Crowley, is here to weigh in. Monica, great to see you this morning. Uh, Let's start right there. What happens if these emerging economies move away from the US dollar towards the Chinese yuan?
5: Well, good morning, Will. It's great to be with you. And it's really hard to overstate exactly how catastrophic the abandonment of the US dollar would be. Um, as the world's uh, global reserve currency. Look, since the end of World War II, the dollar has been the safe place to go, and it's been backed up by a couple of things. It originally was backed up by gold, but President Nixon took took us off the gold standard, so there's no hard asset backing up the dollar anymore for the last 50 years. But also, it's been backed up by the strength and economic power of the United States, and the fact that oil has always been traded in dollars. If that were to end, that would mean the end of the U.S. dollar. Look, th- there is a perfect storm happening right now, Will. The, the world's uh, reserve currency being that uh, having that status has been a real privilege, but we've abused the privilege by wholly reckless monetary and fiscal policies over many years, certainly over the last couple of years, which has really devalued the dollar. On top of that, now you do have this perfect storm of weakness, his war on American domestic energy production, the Ukraine war. And as you point out, because of all of these things, we've got America's enemies led by China forming a new economic block. And all That's it would take perks. at this point now, because we're at this pivotal moment, will mm-hmm. is for Saudi Arabia, who has indicated that they're open to this, to say, you know what, we're going to be open to considering other
0: and that's what's going on right now. That's, what, that's what's happening. So don't think that everything happening is just random. There's a book, okay? And I will pull up on the screen if you're watching on Rumble or you're watching uh, uh, on YouTube. But if you're not, I'll read it to you. But there is a book, and it's called The Grand Chessboard, okay? I'll pull, I have it up on the screen, Amazon, by Now Brzezinski, okay? By the way, his daughter is Morning Joe, an MSNBC's co-host, and it's his wife, okay? Her last name is Bozinski. That's his daughter, okay? He was a uh, national, he was the foreign advisor to Jimmy Carter, okay? And he was known as, like, the genius behind how the whole, like, basically the best risk player of real life ever, the grand chessboard. And he talks about how Ukraine is the most important area to never let up for America to be the global dominant superpower. And now you're seeing Ukraine all of a sudden get invaded by Russia. That is like the golden piece of the chessboard that you cannot let up. Okay. And that that will dictate the future of the power. And he writes in there, he writes something very important. He says the only way the U S loses its dominance, which could like never happen because the likelihood of this are so small. He writes this is that if Iran, Russia and China, who historically Hate each other, teamed up to fight back and get that area of landmass. And what is happening right before your eyes? You have China brokering peace deals between Iran and Saudi Arabia. They're teaming up with Russia. And then you got all the other BRICS countries, but those in particular, Iran, Russia, and China, are all on the same team building an economic block in real time. And you have Russia, which is part of that block fighting to take over parts of Ukraine. This is not by chance. This is by design. We are at war with Russia and China. I keep telling you this. This is the grand piece of the grand chessboard. This is it. This is for all of the potatoes, all the sausage, all the wheat and barley. I said wheat and barley because it's the breadbasket of the world. Um, so that's why this is all happening. You need to know that. Okay. Cause you're not going to be told that stuff elsewhere. You need to know the truth and why things are happening the way they are. So, uh, we played the hyperinflation bet by biology saying that all the banks are insolvent, which they are. Um, and, uh, we have, uh, Nick's take on it. And I think he has an interesting take and, uh, it has to do with, there's no spokesperson for Bitcoin. Well, we do on this podcast, but we, we don't promote any financial advice. We don't, I don't tell you what I do. If, if I had money, that's perhaps what would be done if, okay, don't get all excited. She's Louise. Okay, here we go. Here's his take on biology's bet.
4: I think Balaji feels that it's an opportune moment for a talismanic leader to emerge in Bitcoin. And if you look at the prior leaders in Bitcoin, they've almost all been clowns or just kind of really deficient in some way. So I'm personally I'm glad that Balaji is currently the loudest and most important Bitcoiner because I think he's much smarter. And better spoken, just all around more intelligent than any of the other ones that we've had. And his case is also just based in reason, as opposed to dogma. But I'm a little confused about. I'll, I'll admit I don't think he can win that. But at the same time, if he if his bet provokes like a change in sentiment, um, and you know helps push some people over the edge just to show conviction like that then if Bitcoin, you know, whatever appreciates to $50,000 within the time, everyone's going to forget that he lost the bet. No one will care because he'll just be credited with catalyzing this run. So I think you can still win the bet, even if he loses the bet, basically.
0: Yeah, I think. So that's a good point. That's a good point. You can win the bet without still winning the bet. He'll historically be remembered as the person who helped shift the sentiment, which was very, very important. So. Let's do a quick summary, and then we'll get out of here. We'll move on. We're going to do another show today. We're doing a lot of shows, a lot of stuff going on. It's going to be on AI, a lot of crazy stuff. But this is the this is the article from uh, Pirate Wires from Nick Carter. This was February 8th. Operation Choke Point 2.0 is underway, and crypto is in its crosshairs, detailing the Biden and men's coordinated ongoing effort across virtually every U.S. financial regulator to deny crypto firms access to banking services, And we will cover a little bit of this so we we can sum it up right here. What began as a trickle is now a flood. The U.S. government is using the banking sector to organize a sophisticated widespread crackdown against the crypto industry. And the administration's efforts are no secret. They express plainly in memos, regulatory guidance, and blog posts. However the breadth of the, of this plan spanning virtually every financial regulator as well as as its highly coordinated nature has even the most steely-eyed crypto veterans nervous that crypto businesses might end up completely unbanked stable coins may be stranded and unable to manage flows in and out of crypto and exchanges might be shut off from the banking system entirely so let's dig in For crypto firms, obtaining access to the onshore banking system has always been a challenge. Even today, crypto startups struggle mightily to get banks, and only a handful of boutiques serve them. This is why stablecoins like Tether found popularity early on to facilitate fiat settlement where the rails of traditional banking were unavailable. However, in recent weeks, the intensity of efforts to ring fence the entire crypto space and isolate it from the traditional banking system have ratcheted up significantly significantly. Specifically, the Biden administration is now executing what appears to be a coordinated plan that spans multiple agencies to discourage banks from dealing with crypto firms. It applies to both traditional banks who would serve crypto clients and crypto 1st firms aiming to get bank charters. It includes the administration itself, influential members of Congress, the Fed, the FDIC, the OCC and the DOJ. And then he lists a lot of events that happened on December 6th. On December 7th, uh, on December, on January 3rd, the Fed and FDIC-OC released a joint statement. January nine, January 9 21st, 21st, so many events. In sum, banks taking deposits from crypto clients, issuing stablecoins, engaging in a crypto custody, or seeking to hold crypto as principal have faced nothing short of an onslaught from regulars in recent weeks. They are trying to destroy the off-ramp. So, um. And then he says, why might crypto entrepreneurs be wary of the FDIC? It traces back to Operation Choke Point. Some in the crypto space believe that the recent attempts to ring fence the crypto industry and cut off its connectivity to the banking system are reminiscent of this little known Obama-era program. And it's no surprise, it's basically the same administration. Perhaps Obama's even running it behind closed doors. We don't know. Maybe open doors, whatever. Um, so it began in 2013. He talks about it in detail. Um, and Trump wasn't very friendly towards crypto either. So don't get all excited here. Okay. Um, was a little bit better, but still not good. And so we will, I'll read the last part here and we'll get out of here. As Biden enters the second half of his term, his crackdown on crypto banking has deflated hopes for a regulatory reapproachment in the U S many crypto entrepreneurs now tell me that they're waiting for the 2025 and putative DeSantis regime for things to turn. Some can't wait that long and are shuddering for their plan shuttering their plans for businesses, which involve any type of regulatory approval, especially with regard to bank charters, regular regulators are effectively picking winners. Do you not see what's going on here? People come on. Do you not come on? This is all this crazy nonsense is not just happening at once. It's by design with larger, more established crypto firms able to hang on to their banking relationships while newer ones are shut out. Meanwhile, see, this is the problem. If this works, the U.S. is just going to lose on the future of innovation and people are going to go elsewhere like El Salvador. They're going to lose out. This is a terrible decision. Uh, Meanwhile, other jurisdictions are making a bid for their businesses. Hong Kong has adopted a friendlier tone once again, as has the U.K. The UAE and the Saudis are looking to attract crypto firms. Yes, Saudi Arabia with Vision 2030 is looking to attract people there. In Dubai, it's probably going to work, especially if the U.S. cuts everyone off. And let's end it here. And U.S. regulators can uh, scarcely afford to forget what happened with FTX, in which they curtailed the business activities of onshore exchanges, effectively pushing U.S. individuals into the waiting clause of SPF. If bank regulators continue their pressure campaign, they risk not only losing control of the crypto industry, but ironically increasing risk by pushing activity to less sophisticated jurisdictions, less able to manage genuine risks that may emerge. Nick Carter absolutely unbelievable all of this is happening in real time it's all real it's crazy become educated read the bitcoin white paper. learn some stuff learn about you know what happens when they print trillions and trillions of dollars to make up for the hundreds of billions of unrealized losses the banks the banks don't have your deposits they don't have the deposits that so in order to have the deposits the fed needs to literally print hundreds of billions not trillions trillions what do you think happens to the to the dollar? It gets debased. It becomes worth nothing. And then if people stop start de-dollarizing, hyperinflation crashes on shore, shoots through the roof, and you have the Weimar Republic. Is it gonna happen? I can't tell you if it is or isn't. I'm just telling you get educated. Okay? That's all I'm trying to do here. All right, share the Jonathan Kogan show, subscribe to the Jonathan Cogan show, donate to the Jonathan Cogan show. Patreon.com forward slash ownership economy. I love being with you. It's fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic. It's my favorite part of the day, or at least my second favorite part of the day. I like falling asleep. I like waking up too. It's all good. It's all good. The whole ring of life is good, baby. We're here. We're going to make it fantastic. Do something nice for someone today. Give somebody a compliment. When it feels uncomfortable, say something, something. Say, I really like your outfit. Or you look great today. Or it's so good to see you. Say that to the next person you see, okay? Even if it feels like not right, it's going to be awkward, just do it, okay? Spread love. That's how we make it out of this. The peasants will rise. Do something nice. Give a compliment. Pro peace, pro love. Let's do it. Jonathan Cogan Show signing off. Bye.